1: a Dear Media
0: original podcast. Hi, welcome to Good Instincts. I'm Shira Barlow, but you may know me as the food therapist. Join me every Thursday for the same thoughtful support to help you close the gap between where you are right now and where you want to go. This should feel good, like really good. And it will, I promise. Here's... So cute. You look also youthful. Oh, do I? Very oh, good, good, yeah, yeah, good. Yeah. Not that like I know we're not supposed to be like <laughs> talking about other women's <laughs> things, but <It's> okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like that's one that no one's been like. You can't tell people that they look young.
1: I know. Why is that?
0: No, no, no. I think that's because we can't. We can't. I yeah. think we're not supposed to. I think some people feel like you shouldn't tell people
1: that they look thin. Yes. You know, it's a whole whole nother conversation. Exactly. Yes.
0: Yes. Today, I am joined by my friend, Alex Taylor. She's also someone I really admire. And she is the co founder of Parallel, which is a women's health company that supports women through each hormonal life cycle. It's something I've talked about on here a lot and I'm really
1: passionate about. And we've talked a bunch offline. So thank you so much for being here. Oh, my goodness. Pinch me. Thank you so much for having me here. I adore you. And I'm such a fan of this podcast. So big. Very cool. (laughs) Thank you
0: so much. And, you know, you and I have talked a ton Mm -hmm. offline about body literacy and how there is this gap between women and what we know about our bodies. And Mm -hmm. we had a dinner recently for Parallel Mm -hmm. in support of the new cycle syncing supplement, which is amazing. Thank you. And we were talking a bunch about it and and you spoke really eloquently on this idea that there is this huge gap in research on Mm -hmm. women of childbearing years. And I was wondering if you would just share that because I don't know
1: that everyone knows that. Absolutely. Well, first of all, and this might be reminiscent of what I shared that night, but what we've all learned and what we know when we are occupying this body is that it's wildly complex. And it requires wildly complex solutions to support it. And there is a massive, wildly large gap when it comes to what we know and what we don't know about how our own bodies work. And it really dates back to even as recently as the late 1970s. In the late 1970s, women of childbearing potential, end quote, were omitted from clinical trials because our bodies were too complex. It's wild. And what's even more bonkers is that we were omitted until about 1993. The FDA rescinded that order. And it really didn't even come into effect until the late 90s, until like 1998, that we were actually being included. Yeah. And so there's this massive gap in terms of what we know about women's bodies. Much of what we know today has been built by and for men. Most of the research, most of the dosing, and what is Hugely heartening is that as recently as two days ago, the White House released a massive announcement stating that they are finally going to fund women's health and work wow. to close some of that gap. So this is just real-time updates that are happening that are tremendous and, and, again, deeply heartening that we're seeing movement. But it's something that you and I and probably many of these listeners feel day in and day out. Women can take six to nine months longer to get a diagnosis when they are experiencing some form of pain or some health issues longer than men. And it's something that we see even in terms of our general body literacy. Yes. You know, as recently as 2004, 2005, somewhere in that range, they actually had documented the anatomy of the clitoris and the vagina incorrectly. What? Yeah. It's pretty bonkers. Are you serious? Yes, a researcher out of Australia identified <gasps> this. Wow, it's it's wild, and we have so much work to do, and I think a lot of it is a is a byproduct of you know if we want to go back way way back, it's a byproduct of the fact that there is this idea that women are hysterical about Mm -hmm. their pain and their experience and kind of ignoring that and not giving it the attention, the support, and also just the complexity. Our bodies are very dynamic. We run on a 28-day-ish cycle, and there are massive shifts in our hormones, which you are constantly talking about and aware of, but... It's, it'll make your head spin. And it's pretty it's pretty wild.
0: <laughs> yeah. No. Well, first of all, I, I did not know that about the anatomy piece, which is yes. just really sad, number one. it is The other thing is that you have a whole campaign around it, too, of this idea of being hormonal. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, we have been labeled as like, oh, she's being hormonal. But like, yes, of course. And that's a really good thing because yes. our hormones are how the whole world goes around. <laughs> yes. And I really love kind of Anything we can do to shift out of that. And mm-hmm. we've also talked about this idea of just destigmatizing just like natural body functions of a woman. Like mm-hmm. we were talking about like being teenagers in our boyfriend's house and rolling like 10 million rolls of toilet paper around like a tampon. But it's like these are things that are s- natural body processes. And I feel like our, do you, I do feel like the youth is better about this?
1: Like mm-hmm. they are not as ashamed as us. Do you mm-hmm. feel that way? Absolutely. I think that going back to even the puritanical roots of our nation and our society, women's bodies have been shrouded in shame and our bodily functions have been shrouded in shame. And that is, it is unfortunately something that we still see today. And with the advent of the internet and making things more visible and more normal and more welcoming and and people just simply sharing their stories really at the end of the day, I think, I believe, has really encouraged this next generation to be more open and honest and welcoming of how our bodies work. But when we released this this campaign, as you mentioned before, we created a ton of, of merch. So we have yeah. sweatshirts and hats and they say moody and hormonal. And these are typically words and phrases that have been used to really denounce and just, you know, and, and ultimately reduce our experience. And they're branded as they're bad. But what we're hoping to do is really reaffirm the fact that actually, no, we are hormonal. And hell yes, we're moody. That means everything's working. Exactly. And that's part of the human experience. And I often reflect when I think about our brand or really just being a human in the world. One of my favorite quotes is an old Fred Rogers quote. Good old Mister Rogers, and and it, it's something to the effect of you know anything that's human is mentionable, yeah. And it's it's true, and I think we're starting to see that. And create space for that with all of these amazing digital spaces that we have and the, you know, the democratization of access to information and education. So it's encouraging. And our hope is really to encourage a whole new army of women to wear these and people to wear these, you know, this merchandise and be proud of the fact that they are hormonal and they are moody.
0: I don't even think I told you this, but I wore the hormonal sweatshirt for Halloween with cat ears, and people made their own assumptions of what. I was, but everyone really appreciated it. And it really was that thing where I felt like really proud to do it. And I thought it was funny. And I thought that at this day and age, it was kind mm-hmm. of sexy and kind of loud and proud about being a woman. And that, like, yeah, I am moody and like call the black cat ears what you want. But yeah. everyone knew what that meant and people were into it. So whatever you're doing is is working.
1: I love that. Yeah, I, I love that. But there is something kind of interesting about when I put on my moody sweatshirt or my hormonal sweatshirt and I show up to, you know, my son's soccer game. It's interesting. I I also have to process the fact that no, this is actually just what I am. It's yeah. not negative. And I, and I do feel empowered, but it does cross my mind. And it's interesting. I love that you did that. Yeah, I, know.
0: I gotta send you a picture. I didn't get like people <laughs> were do. appreciating it. today's episode is brought to us by Honey Love. And I have to say, coincidentally, I didn't even know I was recording this ad today. I am wearing a Honey Love bra. I think it's really nice. I think we worry as women sometimes that if you're wearing a bra that is supportive and this very much is, and you feel like pulled in, that it also looks like scuba gear. And I've definitely had that and like things that just like feel like a sports bra. No hate on that if you're into that, but I just feel like for me, I want something that looks a little more feminine, but I feel like it's hard to find a non scuba gear bra that actually holds you up. And this does the trick. I also really appreciate that there's no like bulging in the back. The Honey Love bras are specifically designed to have back smoothing fabric. So there's no like, Bra, bulge, scrunching, munching situation that happens. And there's also a v neck that I think is really, really cute with a v neck or like a low shirt or a low dress they also have shapewear. And I only in the last two years really kind of understood shapewear. And you know what? I think it's cool. And the thing about theirs is you can kind of decide where you want support and where you want more compression or less compression. And the thing about it is that they do not roll up. So if you are wearing a shapewear situation, I think the fear is that they're like bunching up, rolling up, rolling down. And they have these little almost like beams in them that make sure that they certainly are not going to fall down. I actually really do think that having bras and underwear that really fit you is a huge piece of self-care. So if you want to save up to 60% off site-wide, you can go to honeylove.com slash good instincts this month only. Inventory is limited and the sale ends soon, so don't miss their best deals of the year. It is time to ditch the underwire for good thanks to Honeylove. Hey everyone, it's Kelsey Kreppel,
1: full-time YouTuber, part-time preschool teacher, and now the host of the podcast Circle Time. Join me every week as me and my guests mix the childlike wonder and conversational openness and acceptance of preschool that we're all nostalgic for with the realism, honesty, and wisdom baked into adulthood. With classroom-structured roots, we'll rehash standout moments of day-to-day life dive into buzzy pop culture moments, and really just get to know each other on a deeper level. Make sure to follow me on Instagram at Kelsey Kreppel and follow the show wherever you get your podcasts. Time...
0: You know, I think it's worth mentioning mm-hmm. that just a second ago, your phone was going off and that your nanny was texting you. Yes. And we all know that we all have Do Not Disturb on, we all have someone like in case of emergency that can pop through. Yes. And I think it's really important to mention just in this space because I was mm-hmm. going to talk to you about motherhood. You posted something that really resonated with me and it meant a lot. And I don't, I don't see it a lot in that way. And it was that just on Halloween the next day you were speaking at a conference Mm -hmm. and you posted that you were not willing to miss your kid's Halloween. So you flew out the next day. And because (laughs) of that, you basically had an hour- from like start to finish to get there, yeah, and we all kind of got to watch you do that. But there was something really helpful to me about it, which was that I know you in this way, and I've I've gotten to know you as a friend, but like in this way as a mom, a working mom. Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was really beautiful. I thought it was important, and it. I was wondering if you'd share a little bit on that process for you because it it has been a little bit more mm. of your content,
1: and I and I love to see it. Oh well, thank you. I. I feel so self-conscious, first of all, of being a female founder. I do. do I think you? that I think that there's a very bad rap. And that's a whole nother can of worms. Yeah. And I'm constantly feeling like I have a target on my back. And I do have to admit that I am often scared to share. Um. But what makes me feel comfortable to share is sharing my truth and yeah. being really honest with what's going on in my life. Because as I was building my career, you know, same time you, you have been— I didn't see a lot of women sharing the full complexity of their lives. Not that they have to or not that anyone, you know, we owe it to the world to show what's happening personally, but it almost seemed like most of the female leaders that were in my world were almost severed. You never understood that they had a whole family, a whole dynamic, a whole world going on. And it wasn't like they were even allowed to have permission to show that professionally. And it doesn't work it's not real. It's not authentic. And I believe that the most powerful people are the ones that show up as their fully realized selves. And a huge part of who I am now is this new facet of me is I am a mother. Yeah, And that doesn't turn off when I walk in the door to record a podcast or I show up with my team. And it bring it makes me better at what I do, I believe, but also I can't ignore that fact in that piece of my life. And it's so important to show up there. And so even when it came to that event that I was speaking at, there's certain things I just won't make concessions around. And some things like there's this old adage. I don't know where it came from. So hopefully someone (laughs) can help me remember. But um, this woman describes prioritization like juggling balls. And some of the balls are plastic and some of the balls are glass. And you have to be willing as a mother or someone who is working and has many priorities that are really important to recognize what balls in your life are plastic and can bounce back yeah, and which are glass. And when I was thinking about Halloween, I have a three-year-old and a five-year-old. Yeah. This is a big day for them. These are core memories for them. And to me, that was a glass ball. Yeah. It might sound frivolous and silly to no. someone else, but to me, it was a glass ball and I had to be there. And I, I wanted you to be that. part of that. And I also want to show women that you actually don't have to forfeit your family and your life for the sake of your career. And I do believe that two things can be true. I think you can build a career or pursue whatever it is professionally, personally that you want to do and find space for family and understand that it's going to oscillate between like where there's a little bit more weight and focus sometimes. And that's okay, it's never going to be perfect balance. But I constantly think of juggling the balls every day. I'm like, yeah. what's glass? If I drop it, that will shatter. I can't put that back together. But what is plastic and will bounce back? And that's really helped guide me. And I do hope in sharing those stories and those experiences, I, I never want anyone to feel like, oh, she's got it all together because I don't. I just want people to see that there's just, there, there really are, there's, hard decisions I have to make. There's things I have to balance and that's normal.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I think that's really beautiful. And when I saw that it was really meaningful to me and it made me really adore you and trust you even more because I think that that is the thing. And, you know, I'm not sure that you know this about me, but I had my whole career. I stopped working for three years to raise my son and I really was in the dirt with him. And I watched him watch the wind move the trees. Now everyone chooses what they do with their time. And, and there's no right answer for everyone. Yeah. But for me, that was mine. And then I think the fear is when you come back to work, at least it was for me, like, and what does that mean? And now he doesn't get me all the time and I'm missing and there's an absence and I'm not always available and I'm yeah. working. And this past Saturday I spoke at an amazing conference and it was an amazing thing for work and I had to do it and I just wasn't available all day. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it that I think is really cool is seeing him
1: be so proud of what I do. Oh yeah. It's so cool. Oh yeah. And honest, I, I explained to my kids as young as they are, what am I doing and the why? Yeah. Why am I not here? And they might not understand, but, you know, I do believe that they are capable little humans and yeah. they can process kind of the the importance. And I think they are really proud. You know, I, they'll see a parallel box come in the mail because I do subscribe to it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> well, I have to make sure the experience yeah. is always great. And, you know, they see that box and they go, mama, it's parallel. And oh. and they know that and they're proud of that. And it, it feels really good. But... It's, it's hard, you know, it's hard balancing, but I think at the end of the day, I think there is value in showing our children that yes, they are the center of our universe, but also there are other things that we, that are important to us too. And that's okay.
0: Totally. (laughs) You know, it's funny. I wasn't even going to bring this up, but it is an interesting thing. And I'm wondering if you have any thoughts about this, which is Oliver has gotten very into like counting coins. And so now there's this whole conversation around money. Oh yeah. (laughs) And it's funny because it really highlighted that I have kind of or I had a kind of immature relationship with money where I was brought mm-hmm. up that like, you would never really talk about who how much money you had. And you're not certainly not talking about that with other people. And yes. just it made me realize how you talk about it in this frank way. And I feel like now more recently, this whole thing about girl math online has been really pissing yes. me off. Oh, God. I think it's so get me damaging for it's women. so reductive. It's so reductive. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it doesn't help us at all and it's not cute. And 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 I get that it's fun. Like there's part of it that's funny. Yes. And I get that. And I'm down for like TikTok humor and the whole thing. But there yes. it is very reductive. And I was thinking about it. And and so now he's understanding that if you're buying something, it means that you're not buying something else. If you have your life savings currently of $19, yes. which is what Oliver has right now you could save that yes. for something bigger or mm-hmm. you could spend it. But but it's all a give and take. And I think mm-hmm. there's something interesting and powerful about being like, this is how, you know, we have resources and this yes. is how we put things on the table. And
1: Absolutely. how do you feel about those conversations? Oh, 100%, 100%. I saw some video somewhere, probably on YouTube, about some billionaire teaching his children how to manage money. Yes. And I've heard this from other corners of my life, but effectively what he would do is he would give his children a small allowance every week. And it was up to them to manage how that money was deployed and used. And he would take them out. And if they wanted ice cream, he'd say, well, you know, buy your ice cream or you can save your money. And I loved that. I love that. There was something I liked about that. And yes, of course, there's like you can do chores and all that. But I think at such a young age, it's really about understanding that there's a finite amount of a resource and how can that be responsibly deployed and making some of those complex decisions. Yeah. And so we do a small allowance for our son, and he has a piggy bank. He probably has like $19 yeah. <laughs> as well to his name. And he's he's decided when he first got some money, he decided to buy a balloon. Love that. By the way, balloons were so expensive. It was like $7 a no, balloon. No,
0: there's a helium shortage.
1: Yes. Oh, no.
0: Yes. there's a, No, there's a <laughs> finite amount of helium left here. <laughs> no, there, was, yeah. no <laughs> I know those balloons, like those big balloons that you do for like the… <laughs> You know yes. the birthdays and stuff. Those are so expensive because there's a helium shortage. You literally yeah, just blew my mind. No,
1: facts. The more you facts. know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, there you go. Yeah. But after he learned that his balloon was so expensive, he got it. He was happy. He comes home and he goes, "Mom, I'm not going to be spending any money. I'm saving up for a new trash truck." I love that. Like, all right. So I think it's good. I, I think, think it's, it's good cool. to teach that if you can. And I know everyone's different and has different relationships to money, but I think it's interesting. And that's what we're going with right now.
0: <laughs> I love that. And then I think that there is that idea of when you do get a balloon and when you do see a balloon arch, you're like, whoa. Yeah. Thank Whole new you. Appreciation. Yeah. <laughs> and and again, I don't. Th- yeah. It's really interesting because my instinct and I don't think it was a healthy instinct was mm-hmm. to be like, "Ooh." We don't talk about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then yeah. I was like, oh wait, why don't we? And what's my relationship with money? And what's my issue? Absolutely.
1: And where do I need to like dive in? But I actually think this is an interesting segue even to into the conversation about our own bodies. Yes. And what do we know and don't know? And what have we learned generally generationally from our, you know, our our caregivers that reared us? And there's so many conversations. I mean, of course, there's the good old birds and bees conversation yes. that we hear about and very limited sex education. And But generally, you know, most people aren't sitting down with their mom to be like, so what's your birth story? You know, right. when did you start menopause? Like, well, But these are really important conversations to have because we do track similarly to our biological mothers. Totally. And
0: we were talking about this at the, at the dinner, which yeah. was this idea that I think for so many of us, we were going through puberty. At the same time, our moms were going through menopause. Yes. And at that time, our moms didn't, no one knew anything about women's bodies. No one was mm-hmm. helping women through this stage of life. Yeah. And it really did feel like at a certain moment, women's bodies expired and just felt
1: terrible. So, Completely.
0: I also feel like, you know, you talked about something online and I know you talked about it in an op-ed, which mm-hmm. I really loved, which you can, we can link in oh, the episode description, which I loved. But I know that that part of it was really fueled by this New York Times Mm. quiz that was behind a paywall. I want you to explain yes. it. But I love how like you really got in there and you phoned some people and you got oh, on yeah. the phone and I loved that about you. I was like get a little loud and squeaky wheel about yes. it. So explain that to us.
1: <laughs> I don't know what it is with me. I'm a doer. I, I see something that. and I just got to go do, fix. Maybe it's something that's been imbued in me since becoming a mother. Yes. I don't know where it came from. So, yes, there was this this quiz in the New York Times. And it was a beautiful quiz with all these questions about your menstrual cycle and what you do and don't know. And it was wonderful. And I sent the link around to my team at Parallel and I said, guys, take this. Guys and gals, all the people, yeah. take this and let me know, you know what your score is. And very quickly, I realized, oh my goodness, first of all, I had been operating from a place of privilege, assuming that everyone had access to this. Yeah, No, it's behind a, a paywall. And very quickly, I realized that most of my team couldn't take this quiz. And that didn't sit right with me. To me, that is so reflective of this larger issue in that with the information and knowledge that we do have, we are still gatekeeping. Yeah, This information should be democratized and accessible to everyone. And it made my head spin. And so— yeah, I definitely I went on TikTok and I shared a little <laughs> bit about my grievances about the fact that, you know, this is, this should be accessible to everyone and therein just reinforces the issue that women's health is not only underfunded and under-researched, but also unaccessible. Yeah. And that's a huge issue and something that I am deeply, deeply dedicated to is just closing this gap in body literacy. Over 50% of the world are women. There's a lot of us living in these female bodies that have a very specific way of operating. And yet we don't even know the basic fundamentals generally of how they work. And what we do know should be made accessible because think about even just the simplicity of understanding your 28-day cycle and what's normal through all the phases, which you talk about a lot, and that there are things that are very common to feel and experience through your luteal phase. For example, had I known that through all those years of disordered eating through high school and into my college years that oh I didn't gain five pounds I was in my luteal phase yeah and i was just heavier and i react and i bloat a little bit more and that was normal I wish I had that so i could have even just given myself the grace and have been avoided all of this emotional baggage and <laughs> that i went Literally. through and it's like it's just so empowering i think and you know going back to this quiz i I think that we do a disjustice to people when we don't make that information accessible because ultimately, think about how much suffering we can we can mitigate if we do make it available to people.
0: Completely. That was really beautifully said. And I love that you woven the piece about cycles because obviously, mm-hmm. and I've talked about cycle support on here because I'm yes. a big fan and Thank I think you. it's amazing, but in the same exact way that mm-hmm. the more we understand about women's bodies, mm-hmm. the better care we can take. Like women's yes. bodies aren't landlines. We, we are hormonal and there are phases where mm-hmm. we're bloated and it can look like maybe we gained five mm-hmm. pounds. So that's not the, Great Completely. it's time to wear like your, you know, skin tight, whatever. Yes. <laughs> but I think that the reality in addition, and we've talked about this mm-hmm. and I've talked about this on here, is that that's the exact right thing. You give yourself more grace during mm-hmm. these times. There's times when you feel amazing. You feel yeah. like digesting food really well, mm-hmm. all of that. And there are times when eating cold, raw vegetables aren't great. Like mm-hmm. there's times when certain movement isn't great. So oh, yeah, I think that with cycle support, and again, we have mm-hmm. talked about it on here, that mm-hmm. it is just a beautiful, oh,
1: it's you. a beautiful way to make it easy for women mm-hmm. to take really good care. And it also just contextualizes what we're experiencing and making it very real and valid and, and normal. Going back to what we were saying earlier about being more, Hormonal and moody. Yes. These are normal functions of the body, and that's okay. And, you know, let's make that information that we do have available yeah. so that you can better support yourself. So you can mitigate some of those experiences of being in this hormonal body. Yeah.
0: yeah. And I think just the more we talk about it, It's funny, like you can know something Mm -hmm. intellectually, but still feel like, why do I feel this? And then you look at your cycle app, you Mm -hmm. look at where you are in your, you know, pack, pack, and you're like, oh, of course I am. I'm so sorry. And Mm -hmm. we've talked on here about when it's a good time to build in an extra conscious indulgence, because Mm -hmm. I think if you don't give yourself sometimes that grace, then you kind of go on the deep end somewhere else. And so it's all a part of the same thing, which is like self-knowledge, self-compassion. And Mm -hmm. I really, really, really love that. Mm -hmm. And I also love, I feel like you have a new campaign out now, which I think was done really well. I told you offline that it looked really nice, looked really expensive. Thank you. It's this idea that it's baby making season. And I know you did
1: a little like research and outreach around Mm -hmm. it. And I thought it was interesting you share a little bit. Of course. So yes. November, December, January are purely from a data perspective, the time of year of the highest conceptions. So this is when a, a large majority of people are seeing positive pregnancy tests. And so it is literally baby-making season. <laughs> and we thought that was such fascinating data that we created this campaign called Baby-Making Season. And and our hope is not only to bring a little joy and fun and a wink and a nod to the seasonality, especially being that it's over the holidays, Mm -hmm. but also to educate and create space for the fact that, yes, it's baby making season, but also every season and everyone's season and journey is different and that's okay. And so we surveyed over a thousand of our own customers Great, and we had an overwhelming response. And what was so interesting and telling was that over 60% of women don't feel joy in the baby making process. Mm. And you start to peel the layers there. And so much of it can be that, you know, they're having children later in life. It's not as easy as we all thought it was. That was an overwhelming response. We asked people, what are two things that you wish you knew about the trying to conceive journey that you know now?
0: Yeah.
1: And one of the number one answers was, everyone told me it would be easy. And it Uh. wasn't and it takes a lot longer. And I thought that was really interesting. And the other learning that came out of it that really reinforces a lot of the why about why I feel so passionately about what I do and why we started Parallel in the first place was that most women only start to get curious about how their own bodies work when they want it to work. So for example— Most of us start asking the questions about, well, how does my body work when you're on the precipice of starting a family?
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, you're saying that if I go off the pill, I'm not just magically going to get pregnant. It's so much more complicated than that. And so what's so fascinating is, is that many women are learning later in life how much they actually don't know about their bodies. Yeah. And then they're almost in the throes of that moment when they really want their body to work, i.e. conceive or what have you, whatever the outcome might be. And yet- it's too late because they haven't learned, they haven't prepared, they haven't done all of that foundational work or understanding. And so I thought that was just really interesting about, you know, why are we learning so late in life Mm -hmm. about this? And, you know, that's a whole nother can of worms. Sex had failed us. But ultimately through this campaign, our hope is to educate women on how do you make a baby? Yeah. Of course, we might've heard of a fertile window, but what does that actually mean? And how what does that look like in practice? Um, what is the two week wait? Let's go two clicks deeper than just the headline and really giving people access to information. And also we'll be sharing a slew of different stories, some that might've conceived by surprise, others that had more you know twisting, turning journeys as many of us have experienced. And I think that's what's really exciting about this campaign mm-hmm. is just to create that space And we're firm believers that in sharing our stories, we can make others feel less alone. And again, going back to that Fred Rogers quote, I think it's so important to share these stories and show that Everyone's story is unique and we can all coexist. It doesn't take away from how hard or how wonderful or how beautiful or difficult your story is, that they can all coexist. And hopefully in sharing our stories, we can find pieces of ourselves in someone else's story that we can relate to and feel connected to. And so we'll be rolling out more of those stories over the coming weeks and lots of baby-making education, even getting into egg freezing. So some fertility preservation is big for us. We have a fertility and egg freeze product. Amazing. So we'll be going yeah. in there. So
0: yeah, uh, Alex, I think that's <laughs> so important. I mean, I I shared this at the dinner, but the the good news is that I work with quite a bit of teen girls, yeah. and when I ask them, you know, I, I ask everyone, "Do you have a cycle? Is it regular?" And mm-hmm. they are all like, "Oh, yep, yeah, I have an app, and I know it." And oh, yeah. so I do think the future is is getting
1: brighter. And oh yeah. You know, our, our survey over 82% of respondents use a ovulation tracker or some type of great. cycle tracker which i thought was incredible it's amazing, it's amazing. so The last thing I wanted to ask
0: you is something that I didn't know when I was like preparing for, you know, like, it's Mm -hmm. funny, you're interviewing someone that you know, and you know, like their product (laughs) and their thing so well. But I did do a bit of research just because that's who I am. And I came across something that I didn't know. And I thought was really, it was meaningful to me. And that Mm -hmm. was that you were raised by a single mom. Yes. And I was wondering (laughs) if that impacted how you move through like work and And all of this, if this is somehow Mm -hmm. in there. I
1: could cry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. My mother is why I am who I am today. She, I don't even know where to start. It's just watching someone navigate life with the grace and the thoughtfulness and the confidence and strength inspired me to be and do everything that I've done. And it was hard and I, and I also remember struggling with the fact that I didn't come from like your typical nuclear family. And I think that always made me feel like an outsider. But it also inspired me to work harder and see that my mom created such a beautiful space for herself, bo- both professionally and personally. My mom actually was the first executive a female executive at her company which was a very big company. Wow. I was so proud of her and yet she was also the most present and wonderful mother. And I think that's really where that yin and yang started to to show itself in that beautiful balance of professional life can coexist with the humanity of being a mother and occupying those both both of those roles. And she taught me so so much and I am just so grateful that I had that experience. And in the throes of being raised, of course, I kind of wished for that more normal family structure. But in retrospect, I wouldn't have had it any other way. And I don't think I would be who I am. It challenged me to work harder, be smarter, be kinder, more empathetic. And I'll never I'll never forget the day that I realized the mountains my mother moved. Mm-hmm. It, and it was also so sad for me because it took me so long to recognize that. My, I was in college and had this moment where I realized my mom bought her own house for herself. Yeah. And thinking about all of the barriers that are built in systemically for women to realize a life independently, especially here in the United States, it's really difficult. It's really hard and it's expensive. And I'll never forget the moment that I was, my God, she bought a house she put us through school. She supported me. And just realizing how tremendous that was, that was no easy feat. And I was sad because it took me so long to honor and respect and appreciate that. And now a day doesn't go by that I think about that. And I'm just so grateful for her. Yeah. So women, mothers are, are, they're superheroes. They really, I mean, all of us are. There is just something that's built into the human condition that, you know, inspires you to go on and keep keep going. And I just, I saw that in my mother and I I, I like to think I have some of that in me.
0: You absolutely <laughs> do. I'm so glad I asked you that. That yeah. was so special. Yeah. Thank you so oh. much. for I know I cried too. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Alex, thank you oh. so much for being here. Thank Where you. can we find you? Where can we find Parallel? Oh my goodness.
1: Well, you can find Parallel at at parallelhealth.com. We spell it P-E-R-E-L-E-L health.com. And same on Instagram. I'm Alex Taylor. You can find me on Instagram. Link everything. Sharing all about my my misadventures of motherhood and running my company. But thank you for having me here. I'm just such an admirer of you and all you do. And I learned so much. And thank you for letting me share with you. Thank you, Alex. Thank you.
0: Thank you so much for listening to Good Instincts, hosted and written by me, Shira Barlow. You can find me on Instagram at Shira underscore RD. Good Instincts is a Dear
1: Media Daily. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.